Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week in the red corner, Mr. Fantastic, the Invisible Woman, Human Torch and Thing team up for a bright and breezy knockabout superhero romp in 2005's Fantastic Four. While in the blue corner, Mr. Fantastic, the Invisible Woman, Human Torch and Thing team up for a dark and miserable slice of body horror and angst in 2015's Fantastic Four. Exposure to a high-energy cosmic storm could advance our knowledge about planetary life. To our future. I don't trust him. We got what we wanted. Just worried about what he wants. Your entire biophysical structure is changing. That's terrible news. I think I'll get a second opinion. Dr. Storm. We gave you six years and millions of dollars, and you gave us nothing. What's different now? Reed Richards. He knows answers to questions we don't even know to ask yet. This is our chance to learn more about our planet and maybe even save it. I want you to meet my daughter, Sue. You want to be famous? I just want my work to make a difference. John, Reed. This guy doesn't take orders well. Yeah, especially from people who say, I don't take orders well. Don't let any of these lab coats give you any crap, all right? Well, if I do, I know who to call. The muscle. I gotta say, it's fun having you here. Really? No. (laughs) What you've created here is incredible. So which film will be our fantastic winner this week and which film is doomed? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Hello, Clash Butters. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. And that's your lot this week, as Chris Tilly is currently on a week's holiday in Latveria. And in his absence, <laughs> let's just clear this up right now, because I know my legacy on this pod is picking terrible films yeah. to do as a pairing. Yeah. I want to wash my hands of this pairing straight up, because I realise it's my week. Yeah. But in the intervening week, mm. Chris has sort of lent on me a little bit. To pick something he doesn't want to do. Yeah. You don't have to, though. <laughs> Granted, and I realise that is my mistake. So yep. it's, a, it's a 50-50 thing. Chris suggested doing Fantastic Four versus Fantastic Four, and I went, oh, OK. Great. That could be fun, because I'd forgotten watching these movies from the first time. <laughs> and so here we are. <laughs> yeah, here we Chris, are. Chris has plan and I hate to think of him as being such a masterful plan maker <laughs> that we would end up in this situation but Chris is dodging the bullet that is this week's pairing yeah well done Chris I hope you're enjoying listening to this he's not gonna Latveria. listen to it we're all the same he's not in it he's not gonna listen to it you're the same interesting interesting oh, you say that he has just messaged <laughs> On WhatsApp, because he knows we're starting right now, going, I look forward to listening to the show, which is him going, (laughs) make no mistake, that is him going, 
I will listen to this, so be careful what you say about me. <laughs> and he's having to dig at you. Hmm? What a brilliant message. Very economical. Unbelievable. Good writing, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so wherever Chris is in Latveria, he is laughing in his hot tub right now. So the clue I gave on last week's show was a brilliant quartet. Chris followed that up on Twitter with me pretending to be Mr. Fantastic after one too many beers. Although, arguably, it is more convincing than the CGI in this film. Okay. So the answers hit us up on Twitter at ClashPod like a cosmic storm. But congrats to longtime listener and multiple winner Paul Logue, who was the first correct guest with his tweet, Fantastic Four versus the crap Fantastic Four. <laughs> I'd argue both these films have crapness in different ways. A thousand percent. Which I feel makes this, I'm, I'm basically... A crap fest? I'm reaching for something here. What we do have, yep. what the quality of films, what the, the films lack in quality, yep. they make up for an, an even spread of different crapness. Sure. So it's a fair fight. I agree. Yeah. I do agree. Okay, good. I'm not just making your life easier. I do agree. Great. I'm it was a hard week this week, wasn't it? Choosing. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, nevertheless, Paul, you have a prize. Uh, your prize is a ticket. To the X Games, not the actual X Games, the X Games as a, it's a former, now defunct event known as Games. <laughs> what is wrong with you? What's happening? <laughs> I realised that because Chris isn't here, I've sort of let things slide a little bit this week. Right. Uh, so uh, just apologies in advance. Okay. That's that's the prize. That's the joke and prize. What's the joke bit? So, because <laughs> the X Games features <laughs> yeah. in 2005's Fantastic Four. the motocross thing? That's that's called the X Games. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That, see, you see why my face? Right. That, oh, that's great. That's the best bit of the film. Right. I'll do, it's not. <laughs> I'll do it again, though. Your prize is a ticket to the X Games. Yeah. Not the actual X Games as featured in Got Fantastic it. Four from Thank 2005. You. The X Games is in a former event known as the Games. Right, yeah. But it's now that's defunct. Right. A, bit, a bit of a Christmas. It's, crack a job, it's not it's easy. It wasn't easy this week. Connection section, do you want to do it? Uh, no, apart from they're the same film. Uh, but there is a scene where Reed falls asleep at a computer in both of them because he's been working so hard. <laughs> I thought that was quite cute. That's good. That's all I've got, though, because yeah. the rest is obvious. Okay, good. So on Thursday, Vicky will be examining if 2015's Fantastic Four tranked at the box office <laughs> because it's a load of trank, which means today I'm doing 2005's more successful, but perhaps not that much better Fantastic Four. Let me take you on a journey. After a jaunt to space to witness a cosmic storm go sideways, four nice people and one bad person acquire massively different powers. The one called Victor's body fuses with the shields he tried to protect himself with, making him metal, and the other's unique and very individual powers are caused because... <laughs> and that's why. Back on Earth, they make a name for themselves by rescuing people from accidents that wouldn't exist. <laughs> if they hadn't first caused them. <laughs> Nevertheless, the mindless automatons of the city can't wait to make some placards and start adoring these new heroes, <laughs> at which point what could have been an interesting examination of superhero celebrities facing off against a city-threatening evil villain <laughs> is instead a tedious two hours of them trying to cure themselves with an even more tedious love story in a villain who's got a big plan which involves convincing one of them that the other isn't being a very good friend <laughs> by telling them that over pancakes. <laughs> The end. Nope, sorry. First, there's the shittiest movie part heat in the history of cinema. Now oh, yeah. the end. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration. 2005, Fantastic Four. Histories of this movie. V. Oh, I have seen it before, uh, quite improbably. It's like, so not to be, no, not to be sneery. I don't have, you know, much prior affection for Fantastic Four. I wasn't, I, I remember these films primarily for the fuss around both of them, and even 2007's Rise of the Silver Surfer, that everybody was disappointed all the time. Mm. And I watched it out of a sort of curiosity to see what was the problem, and that was it. OK. It was, yeah, it was a weird time, wasn't it? Because we're, we're talking 2005, so this is, what, eight... No, sorry, 2008 is when Iron Man came out. Yeah. So three years before the MCU kicked mm -hmm. off, and a bit longer before the DCEU kicked off and it was such an interesting time for superhero movies because undoubtedly there was an audience for superhero movies. Yeah. X-Men in 2000, I think, was the point where it was kind of established once again that, whoa, you can do superhero movies and they can be good and there's an audience and they can be dark and different. And mm -hmm. that whole Christopher Nolan quote about watching the X-Men movie and going, oh, that's what I wanted to do with Batman. Yeah. 
So you've got X-Men, X2, which I think arguably is one of the best superhero movies ever, mm-hmm. comes out a few years later. You've got Batman Begins the same year as this. You've got two Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. And then you've also got the shit. Well, I think it's, I mean, this is Electra, pretty obvious, but... Daredevil. No. <laughs> Electra, Daredevil, what was the Bulletproof Monk, another comic book movie, yeah. which I didn't mind because I was massively in love with Sean William Scott. Of course, yeah, you were. Yeah, mm. I remember that. Yeah, you do, don't you? I do remember that. I mean, it's a PG, so let's try and enjoy it in that way. And it is a kid's movie, otherwise it would be aiming for a few more swears and whatnot. True. Well, we'll get into that because I've got a little bit um, about why it is uh, such a kid's movie. So I saw it, I think, around the... I honestly can't really remember. I think I saw it for MTV at a screening around the time it came out. Mm -hmm. I watched it and I never wanted to watch it again. I felt I ticked that box and that was that. It's not something I've ever wanted to revisit, even now. (laughs) Even when you chose it to do. I've done that. It's not that. I didn't choose these. I was manhandled. Mm, Quest. I was emotionally manhandled into doing these movies. So, want to know a bit about it? Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, play the game. Let's get into this. Yay, my favourite bit. All right. So, this is the second feature-length Fantastic Four movie to be made. The first being 1994's never-released Roger Corman-produced movie, The Fantastic Four, a film that was purportedly just made uh, by a guy called Bernd Eichinger, who had bought the rights to the characters in 1983 so he could hold on to them. Did you watch it? No. No. Did you watch the trailer? No. Watching the trailer, there's a version of the trailer that's just been put on YouTube, and it's it's really good quality. Yeah. Which is kind of sad because I don't think the film itself exists in that quality because Avi Arad, Mr. Marvel had all the prints destroyed mm-hmm. when he bought the film off, burned. Yeah. Um, because he was like, this will do da- so much damage to the brand if we ever want to make a better movie right. that I'm going to pay <laughs> you to not release it. So he paid him $2 million or thereabouts to not release it yeah. in cinemas and destroyed all the original prints. To protect the brand. To, to protect the Fantastic Four brand. Funny how things turn out. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean... Waste of money? Don't know, don't know. Fun, definitely. It's an interesting question. I don't know when we get into it on these shows, but like, I can't quite work out what a good Fantastic Four movie w- would look like. I don't know what you'd do with these characters in particular. I, I think because of their names, because of their powers, yeah. I think you've got a really difficult thing to do there's nothing cool no. about them so i guess you lean into that but then that's what this movie almost does and it doesn't work i've always struggled with mr fantastic well, yeah. because well, it's so so silly. very silly yeah. and it doesn't seem like a power you would ever want and at least with the thing he doesn't want that but that's quite that's acknowledged that's embraced yeah, the hulk yeah. yeah the other two i mean a human torch that's cool that's a cool thing to be able to do Again, though, I'm sort of still a bit vague, having watched two movies twice with him in. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, what is it? Like, what do you what do you do? What what yeah. what does being on fire <laughs> and flying actually allow you to do? Now, granted, I'm I'm not a, a fan of the Fantastic Four comics, so I'm sure someone is out there going, "Well, you can do this." Yeah, but I've watched two movies, and that's my job, and I can't tell you like why it's flying. I get mm-hmm. that's useful. But what is the benefit of being on fire while you're doing that? <laughs> Except in very, very specific circumstances that this movie puts you in. This is just skiing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So, yes, and there's a brilliant documentary on the uh, Roger Corman produced uh, Fantastic Four movie called Doomed, which I would thoroughly recommend. It's on YouTube. Um, apparently, the poor actors, though, who were making that, even though uh, Corman and uh, Eichinger deny this. Uh, but there are rumours that they were just doing it to hang on to the rights yeah. and they never planned to release it. They say that's not true, but the actors involved certainly thought they were making a real movie to the point of hiring their own publicists out of their own pocket oh, no. to promote it, only oh. to then have the rug pulled from under them. That's not very nice, is it? No. It looks quite good fun, actually, though. Watch the trailer. Anyway, uh, it worked uh, because uh, Eichinger now gets to team up with Marvel and Fox to make a big-budget version of Fantastic Four. And this process begins in 1995 when Fox hires Chris Columbus 
to write and direct their Fantastic Four film. Uh, he pens a script. Apparently, it's full of humour. He writes that it was with Michael France, who still gets a credit on the final film, and then decides he doesn't want to do it because he believes the script he's written costs $165 million to make and he can't find a way to reason that out. He doesn't want the pressure, so he says, I'll, j- I'll just produce it. Uh, so step forward at this stage, Chris Columbus goes. Uh, 51st Dates and Anger Management Director Peter Siegel. So he is the first in a a few comedy directors who are brought in, apparently because the script was so infused with humour. At some point. I mean... There is still overtures. People are trying, I think. It's so poor. (laughs) It's so bad. Yeah. There's like, we'll go, when we get into the movie, we'll go through the joke and why it works. (laughs) Uh, so, uh, Peter Siegel leaves about eight months later and he's replaced with George of the Jungle director Sam Weissman. Uh, at this point, Fox brings in Batman writer Sam Hamm to rewrite the script along with a new director, Never Been Kissed's Raja Gosnell. Amazing. Who promptly leaves to do Scooby-Doo <laughs> and is replaced by Bring It On director... Amazing. <laughs> ...and future Ant-Man director Peyton Reed, who rewrites the script with Twin Peaks co-creator Mark Frost, among others. Okay, so I think what this is proving is it just can't be cracked because it's not like these people are shit at their jobs. Yeah, true. And unless, and it could be, and you'll be able to tell me, unless the studio is just that every turn, no, 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 do it again, try again, and you just lose sight of everything, maybe mm. it just can't be done. Well, I think the studio does have a big part in this because I, I, I think, and although twenty, although twenty fifteen, proved that this doesn't work, I do think this is a movie that a studio needs to entrust to someone who has a very definite vision of what they want to do with it, yeah, and then just leave them to it because I, I think, I think certainly with this version, twentieth century Fox were very insistent on certain things. Let me read you a little bit about what Peyton Reed says about his experiences on it. Uh, he says the environment at Fox in 2003 was very different to the environment at Marvel in 2015. Um, Fox at this time had a very specific idea. They wanted to pitch it much younger than I wanted to. And I always felt that they were treating those characters like B characters. I felt they never understood the real strength of that property. Okay. I mean, he mentions uh, 2015 because I'll just read the rest of his quote. He says, I actually feel like Joss Whedon's first Avengers did a lot of the same things that I would have liked to have done in Fantastic Four. These massive battles in the streets of Manhattan, for example. Hold that thought. We'll come back to that. But I'm psyched for Josh Trank's version of Fantastic Four. I know nothing about it, but I really like Chronicle, so I'm hopeful. Which a lot of people were. They were. Before that movie came out to be discussed on Thursday. So Peyton Reed basically wanted to do a hard day's night version okay that was his inspiration uh for his version of fantastic four which again goes back to this thing of going all right but you like follow that through then if like let him do that and and fox weren't they were like no 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 but his um, idea was dr doom was intended to be the film's version of pete best the original drummer in the beatles who ringo Starr replaced doom had been the old man out and the rest of the space crew gained superpowers while he had to create his own right uh have you heard you might have heard this cast list if it had happened, I'll start with the the sort of the lowest um, in terms of wow. Uh, Don't say a woman. I'll go mental. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, Mr. Allison Hannigan, Alexis Denisoff <laughs> as Reed Richards. Uh, right. But from there, you go to Charlie's Theron right. as Susan Storm, Amazing. Paul Walker yep. as Johnny Storm, John C. Riley as Ben Grimm. Right. <laughs> that, that. Yeah, that's good. Put that. That you put. John C. Riley is Ben Grimm in a movie. I'm sold. And finally, Jude Law is Victor Von Doom. Oh, really? I can see that. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that was his idea. But it didn't happen because, again, Fox were very insistent on skewing Young and they didn't really want to do that version of it. That's about your lot in terms of backstory. Obviously, eventually, Tim Story steps in because Fox had seen an early cut of Taxi and apparently that cut of Taxi was good. <laughs> <laughs> And by this point, they've seen everyone <laughs> who's left standing. Well, they, t- they tied themselves into this release date and so they were like, make it! We have to make it! It doesn't matter. <laughs> it, uh. does, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> we have almost forgotten about it, to be honest. So are we still paying money for that? Just put it out. <laughs> Whatever you've got. We haven't started shooting yet. Shoot something. Shoot anything. <laughs> All right, so... I suppose if Roger Corman can bury one... Anything you do is a plus. You'd be like, if the late, great Roger Corman kind of thing can do that, 
I could do anything and it would still be good. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. <laughs> it's, it's one way of looking at it. it yeah. It made it into the cinemas. hallowed company you keep. I'm just like Roger Corman at this point. <laughs> he buried it. Yes. I'm at least releasing it. <sighs> right. Let's go through this then. So, Reed, played by Ewan Griffith, and Ben, played by Michael Chiklis. That yes. is the correct pronunciation of Ewan Griffith. I think so. Oh, sorry, are you asking or telling me? I was asking. I, I think so. That's I how know. I've been pronouncing it ad infinitum. Probably should have checked, but I'm almost certain, having so. met him and called him Ewan. To his face? Yeah. And it went fine? Well, he's very polite. Okay. You know. Power balance he as well. Like, he, he was meeting you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so he'd be like, oh, I really, I should have corrected him, but it was Alex. No, he sort of flinched. And I sort <laughs> Fuck of was, off. Are you, oh, me? You're talking to me? Don't. No, Don't. okay, fine. Make it worse. You <laughs> uh, and Griffin and Ben, played by Michael Chiklis, who are friends because of something. Um, he's a scientist. Yeah. And the other's a pilot. Muscle. But they go to science meetings together, <laughs> even though Ben is just the pilot. To be fair, to be fair, yeah. we get straight into it, don't we? We do. Because you're like, oh, yeah, like I said, you're, you're friends for some reason. Oh, look, here's Sue. Oh, there's something going on there. And then uh, <laughs> something's happening. But you, so you do not get any information, which I knew normally quite respect because you think, well, don't talk down to your audience. And I'm happy to watch this without much knowledge of the comic books and all the rest of it. Mm. It just, It's just tricky when you're then, you're playing catch up, but then the reward for putting your brain in that gear is not so substantial. Yeah. I mean, Nettie said to me as we were watching this, she went, oh, when there's a bit with Sue Storm and Reed and it was like, yeah. oh, what happened? Hiya. What happened there? Nettie was like, so what happened in the last movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because she was so convinced she must have missed something yes. to establish their relationship mm -hmm. earlier. But I mean, yeah, it's it's broad strokes at this point. Yeah. I mean, is Victor a good guy? No, he's sitting in darkness. <laughs> he is sitting in shadow, looming over them. So they want him to give them... I don't even know when this is set. It's like sort of, oh, it's set in the modern day, but here's yeah. a private space station. I'm nitpicking now. It's a superhero movie. He's got a private space station and they want to borrow it mm -hmm. to study a cosmic storm which might give them the meaning of life on this planet. So uh, without further ado, we're off into space. Yeah. That was quick. Uh, we get to meet for future Captain America, Chris Evans, who I think cut his teeth on these kind of roles. Yeah, it's, it's I don't I don't like this. I don't know if it's, it's the weird. dialogue. I just I don't know, I don't like it. It's aged badly. Yeah, it has. There's the scene with the nurse that we'll get to. It's yeah. like that's not good. Yeah, it's aged badly. Although at the time I remember going, "Oh, he's like the most fun thing in this movie because yes. he gets to be that wise ass, you know, arrogant character, mm -hmm. you know, which he can still do really well. Knives out. That's yeah, yeah. a good example of it. But yeah, he's uh I remember liking him more on my first watch in 2005. And also, I'll tell you another thing that hasn't aged well. So they're like, who designed these suits? Victor did. Susan, yours doesn't zip up to the top. <laughs> the same way. I don't know why he shorted you on the fabric. Does your chest not require protection? But I'm just saying there's only four suits in existence. And I know we did this in The Running Man. And I know it didn't cut much mustard in this studio. But... She's like, yeah, this suit is absolutely like, is your chest okay to be exposed to whatever else is out there, Susan? No, is the answer. <laughs> so why is your suit different? It's not like you hitched the lift at the last minute. It was designed for you. Yeah. I mean, I know why. Then, Obviously, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> but it's just a bit like, oh, 2005, this is fine. I mean, she has got more clothes on here than she does in a moment. I just feel so bad for her. Like, she must be freezing. I mean, it's just, even when she's like, I'm a scientist and I'm wearing a white blouse, it's like, fucking hell, Jessica. Like, it's unfair. Yeah, I mean, it was not this movie. It was this sequel, I think, where she came out and said that was an experience that almost made me quit acting yeah. because of how Tim's story, what was the... What was the line? I believe it was Tim Story. I'm going to say possibly Tim Story or at least one of the producers, but I'm pretty sure it was the director, basically said, can you not cry prettier? Oh, wow. Yeah, she said it was uh, just, it was, the, it was the point where I was like, I, this is no, not, I can't. not right for me because she was doing a scene where she was crying and it was like, you, you don't look pretty when you're doing the crying. Can you cry prettier? I mean, she's an actor, so the answer is yes. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> See? Just, I can do That's it. That's what Botox is good for then, I guess, because you would cry, but you wouldn't be able to move, which I think is what he means. Don't wrinkle your face up when you cry. Yeah. Yeah. 
Thought looks out. Basically. I mean, ugly crying. When you see ugly crying and like from a stranger in public, it's quite. That's yeah. like you know. I think it's yeah. I mean, I think maybe because you're you're like oh shit, something super bad has happened to you, <laughs> as opposed to just like those sort of wet or wet face, yeah. like when someone's having like a tiff, a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're really sad. Anyway, uh, back to now. Um, yeah, Reed, they do actually do a joke about her suit. So they're sort of almost acknowledging the fact that her suit is very different to everyone else's because mm-hmm. Reed goes, that's fantastic. Uh-huh. <laughs> the suit, which is a running joke where he says things and everyone thinks it's one thing. But no, he's a scientist. So he could never have any erotic thoughts. <laughs> I think scientists are probably equally erotic to the rest of us. There's no reason on earth why they wouldn't be, I guess. And yet Reed says things like, I loved you for your passion. For science? (laughs) Like this is he pauses and everyone goes oh he mean, oh no he, he means science again he always means science does yeah, read everything he says yeah. he means science <laughs> you're beautiful in science like science no that doesn't work that's actually a compliment he doesn't do that anyway uh, so uh, they all get set by radiation even Victor who selfishly seals himself in an apparently shielded room. Bang! We're back on Earth! <laughs> I just don't call it a quarantine facility if no one obeys any rules. It's and the loosest quarantine facility. More to the point, the nurse in a minute says, this isn't a ski resort, see you at four o'clock for skiing. <laughs> what? <laughs> just, okay. <laughs> uh, we get an actual good joke here. Oh, I know what you mean. At first it pissed me off. Are we talking about the same joke? The mirror joke. The mirror joke? Yeah. The, the POV shot from Ben. Yeah. And we're because I mean they, they milk this because it is one of their they basically I think have gone this is actually a joke we should do this for ages for and ages because you <laughs> yeah. are kind of waiting for thing to appear because you want to yeah. see what he looks like uh-huh. and so this first joke I'd forgotten and I was like he's going to be thing and then when he's not I'm like oh <laughs> the old switcheroo <laughs> yeah I just find again this obviously is not true to the comics uh, but just for my opinion. The 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 negging between those two, the t- the constant piss taking. So Johnny makes this joke about his face. Oh, you hideous! Oh, whatever. And you you know you've I'd forgotten how long ago I'd seen this, and it's like oh he is that he is the thing, and you're being horrible to him. Mm-hmm. And all throughout, because I think Michael Chiklis is really good in it, even he though he's covered in styrofoam. Yeah. It's his sadness is too much sadness. What? I think if you were going to do it now, although it has been done now, so fuck me, obviously. But there is a way to do it where it's empowering, like constantly being told that he's hideous and he's horrible and he's sad about it. He can't pick up a glass. He can't push a button. He can't do anything. We'll get to Deb. Fucking hell. Deb. Deb. Did you never love him (laughs) at all? Get away from me. Oh, but I've got a fire. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's a monster. When did she go kill it? To do it in public. It's like, Deb, it what? Because there weren't enough people around the first time. You like, he is nothing to do with me, just to be absolutely That's, clear. It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, we're jumping ahead, but yeah, when she goes to the bridge, yeah. so it's, it's almost like I've come to check. I just wanted to double check <laughs> that I'm absolutely right, that you were too gross for me. And, and wow, <laughs> you are. You are his. I'm just. I'm not even going to hand you the ring back because I don't want to get too near your ugliness, you ugly fuck. Yeah. So I'm going to put it on the ground, and you come and get it. Oh, you can't pick it up. Boo hoo! <laughs> ugly ex. What? Fiance? <laughs> yes. Husband? I think they're on the cusp. Of, well, they're either married. Yeah. But also, Deb gets this whole telegram. Till death do us part. Yeah. Uh, sub note, unless you turn into a fucking weird rock oh, monster. Yeah, does he does say that too. He says, Deb, do you remember when we swore and during a wedding? Doesn't say that. Yes. To always love each other. And she's like, mm hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> One test and she's out the door. Of course I do. Come out from behind the holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. I just wish there was a way of having more, it's modernized and all the rest of it, more modern sensibility, but just something. Um, we're we're just a bit more sensitive to difference, aren't we, these days, outside of what are, quite much, accepted norms. This film is of its time, but it's like, you're hideous, therefore live in shame. Yeah. Yes, I know what you mean. I I do, I I get that. But I thought, when you sort of say, you know, there's a... I like his sadness in this because it's something that I can actually attach emotion to as I'm watching. And there really is nothing else in this movie... There's doom, 
like Victor Von Doom, like uh, Julian McMahon um, being uh, evil, mm-hmm. which I can kind of go, great, that's fun, someone embracing their evilness. Mm-hmm. And there's Ben being this sort of tragic character who you feel for, you do feel for him. Yeah. And that's it. There's like... Johnny is so unlikable mm. that there is no way of going, oh, I really care about what happens to him. And, oh, my God, have you ever watched a more chemistry-free relationship than Reed and Sue? It's like, what are you... I think the film is actually asking me, the viewer, to invest emotion in that. I think it thinks that it's like, yeah, we'll get to the superhero stuff, but first, <laughs> here's the beating heart yeah. of this film. You're like, no. This is this is not. This, we are not. treading water yeah. every time they are on screen. It's really hard because I said at the start, oh, it's it's a PG movie, and that's fine. Some of the fights are really PG and fun and camp and cheesy, and that is all really good. The stuff between Reed and Sue is quite grown up, so it maybe doesn't work with a PG audience. She's like, you weren't ready to commit, kind of thing. And I don't know if kids, actual kids, are like, what does that mean? Mm. And you weren't ready to take the next step. And so we're dealing with adult themes. And so when you've got a conflict like that between two people that are desperately attracted to each other then you're watching something but this it's so sterile it's it's alarming to me that two people who are working together even can't just switch something on i don't know i think i think in many ways it probably a a younger audience does understand it because it's like toddler level oh i fancy you but i can't say anything because i don't know where i'm allowed to say that to girls muted or whatever the right word is like you know not not hot uh, well, uh, we can talk about hotness and Johnny Storm in just a moment because, as the nurse says, you are hot <laughs> after this break. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, right, yeah, you mentioned the skiing thing. Mm. For me, that scene, and we've sort of talked a little bit further on already, but just to go back to it, that's the scene for me where I know the movie that I'm getting. When he is snowboarding down, mm-hmm. bursts into flames, flies partially through the air, lands in the snow, creating an immediate hot tub, <laughs> and then says to the nurse, care to join me? And then the next time we see him, it's alluded to the fact that they have had sex 
in a makeshift hot tub oh, on a snowy mountain. At that point, you're like, this film is just, just, it's a stupid movie. <laughs> It's a stupid movie that he's just been on fire yeah. and he doesn't, or sh neither her, a medical professional, or him sort of acknowledge the fact that he burst into flames momentarily. That's a good point. And then it just sort of goes, shall we have sex? Yeah, let's have sex. She's not up to much as a nurse, though, because she's just taken his temperature and it was in the low 200s. <laughs> and she's like, see you later. And then also in a minute, talking of medical facility staff, they go back and then... The Ben is transforming and they're like, let us in. Where's the doctor? You are hooked up to machines. They are going bananas. You're turning into a rock. Not a doctor to be seen. Nope. No. Uh, but, you know, Ben hasn't been that bothered about being hit by cosmic rays. He's been playing matchmaker the whole time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but we do get the, I guess, let's give it credit where it's due. <laughs> we do get the, the foreshadowing where he says, oh, this experience of, um, you know, experience we just lived through in space really makes you appreciate having a good woman. Yeah. Oh, Ben. Oh, bless you. Deb is, is not that girl. That's why it's hard because Deb, we haven't met her. She gets validation from Reed, who's our, kind of meant to be our hero. So we think, oh, she must be lovely. You wouldn't think so otherwise. Mm. You wouldn't think that they were supposed to be for each other. And no, just instantly ditches him. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so Ben goes to sit on a bridge for a while. Is he? Are we meant to be thinking that he's considering suicide at this point, or is he just looking for some solitude? I took it to be solitude. So did I. I didn't think he'd quite reached that level. And also, he's about to talk to someone who's clearly contemplating ending their life, and he's not like, "Yeah, me too." But isn't he like, "Yeah, you think you've got problems? Look at me, buddy. Yeah. I'm the one who should be doing it." Either way, he causes a massive traffic accident. Yeah, he does. Uh, solely him. Yeah. Everything that happens, like you said before, is entirely their fault. They, they, they all of this, and it's yeah. like, oh, oh my god, they saved it. They caused the accident. They, <laughs> they should be prosecuted, yeah. uh, in, in some way. And, and instead, yeah. we're going <laughs> to gather outside your apartment block with placards. Like you haven't even got back from the bridge. <laughs> We've gone home, made placards, found out where you live. The police have set up a cordon, and we are a screaming, ravenous crowd championing our new heroes of this city. Yeah, I know. And they do go to the trouble, like uh, Ben on the bridge stops the truck and like, it all crumples up. And then they do make a point, because it's a PG, to show the truck driver later so he didn't kill anyone. Mm. But in the meantime, there's a taxi, a yellow taxi cab, flips over about a thousand times. Mm. Then the person driving that's dead. Yeah, but uh, thank God the rest of the, uh, as to yet be named Fantastic Four, turn up. And so... We, we we get to see uh, Sue is... There's a police cordon because the police, they're very quick in this city. So seconds after the accident has taken place, they've already got a barrier set up and the, the remaining Fantastic Four need to get past the barrier. Mm -hmm. And they go... <laughs> Reed goes, we, we can't get through, Sue, but you can. Oh, you're in your underwear. Mm. All right. Forget that for a moment. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm not really want to. I've we can come back to, to say. it. We can come back to that. It's, like, it's also the fact that she goes invisible. Yeah. And runs past them uh, using her power of invisibility to get past the police. And at the same time, Reed and Johnny just run around the side. Yeah. And then they meet her on the other side and it's like, what did she actually do? Yeah, she doesn't achieve anything. No. it's Well, all right, let's just do it. So, first mm. of all, they're like, take all your clothes off. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, sure. And then she has a bit of a moment. She's like, no. It's, I'm absolutely astonished that the literal literal invisibility of a woman, a woman who cannot be seen. Mm. We are still using that as a gateway for jokes about nakedness. She cannot be seen. We are applying the male gaze to a woman that cannot be seen. <laughs> I'm maddened to beyond all hell by it. The male gaze is fine, whatever, I'm over it. I, it's it's done deal. But this is a woman who's invisible and all the jokes revolve around nakedness and none of the jokes about there's one joke later about does which is gross for a pg does mr fantastic stretch his dick yeah and that's the only joke that's in the same wheelhouse as oh if you're going to be invisible all the time you're going to be naked all the time yeah well there's uh, johnny uh, johnny suggests that mr fantastic is quite limp uh repeatedly imply, okay. implying that he's you know suffering from uh Erectile dysfunction. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what I took it as. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, you know, if you were like, oh, I'm invisible, would you be like, oh, now I've got to be naked all the time? You wouldn't think it. 
Yeah, but she doesn't have to be naked all the time because very quickly they find out that the suits match their powers. Because... But what about the top bit? She's, her suit doesn't go all the way, does so it? So what you're saying is perhaps the, the only bit that doesn't go invisible is her cleavage. <laughs> yeah. And you would prefer that or no. that's worse? I would not prefer right. it. It's not worse. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, uh, they managed to save the day. And sort of it's, it feels like this is your first real action sequence and it's just all a bit... Meh. Like Johnny, because he can go on fire, protects a young girl by standing. Yeah. Be- like putting him between him, the explosion and her. Yeah, using fire as a shield, I think. I don't know how. Okay. Hotter fire? I don't know. Right. I'm not a scientist. I'm not sure that's how protect explosions work. Just sort of, if I stand between you and the explosion... And be hot. You, and be hot. <laughs> You've got nothing You'll to be worry fine. about. Uh, Reed uses his long arms to save a firefighter, which at least makes sense. Um, there, I like the moment. I know that we may have different opinions on Ben and his tragic arc until the end but him trying to pick up the wedding ring is or the engagement ring yeah it's kind of like it's humiliating mm. yeah mm. so we're back in reed's lab uh we're sort of consistently told reed is broke and yet that is some prime real estate he could sell some hardware for sure <laughs> it's like wow yeah i love that though again remembering that it's a pg what a brilliant lab what a fun house yeah agreed Agreed. I like that. There are a couple of moments in this, and I'm sure you're going to be like, how dare you? Mm. A couple of moments in this that have weird Ghostbusters vibes to them. The yeah, crowd the gathered crowd outside, outside the apartment cheering these uh, new heroes who the, are sort of like, oh, God, this is for us. The narrative beat of it's, this, it's the Cross the Streams equivalent. Don't yep. go supernova. Go oh, do super. go supernova. I thought you said supernova was bad. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't. <laughs> uh, but the minute they, the minute they, they, they establish he can't go supernova, I was like, that is, it's not cribbed from Ghostbusters. It's a common thing, but yeah. that's just what it made me think of. Yeah, and also the uh, the sort of glowing lights are emanating In from the Reed's lab at yeah. the top of the apartment. Yeah, yeah. and the, the sort of Art Deco lift. I yes. mean, I really went down this Take as well. Take the stairs. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. There's actually more than I even realised. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> um... So, yeah, uh, Victor, meanwhile, is going bankrupt. Um, why? I'm not know. entirely sure. No idea. He he went into space and he came back broke <laughs> <laughs> because it went wrong. And so he blames Reed for that. And then he somehow lets himself in unannounced to Reed's apartment yep. and walks straight into Sue's bedroom and goes, you're coming with me? And she's like, I'm not. No, I've uh, just had a shower because everything revolves around my nakedness. <laughs> I do have a full face of makeup. That's confusing. I understand that. But trust me, I've just had my clothes off. She decides that she's staying with Reed, though. And this is now, this tips Victor over the edge. Uh, although, to my mind, not soon enough. <laughs> he takes a long time to become really villainous. Yeah. Let's talk about the main plot of this movie then. So Victor is a kind of absent villain as far as the Fantastic Four are concerned until quite late in the day. The main plot of this movie is about them trying to cure themselves of their new powers, which is the worst plot you could have picked for this movie because, A, we know... Full well, they're going to have their powers at the end. So it's almost like, well, this is pointless yeah, because filler, yeah. we know that they're the Fantastic Four. And B, it's such an inward-looking yeah. plot. Well, it's literally inside all the time. Mm. So they're tra- they're staying in Reed's house because he insists because the mob will get them. Um, we should at this point in the movie. It could be, again, because of all the Marvel films we've seen in the intervening years. But right now, where we are in the narrative, the, the team-building montage needs to be them on a mission. Equally, the scene on the bridge needs to be them testing their powers against a baddie, not against an accident that they created. And that comes back again later with a villain that is only after them. He's not really after anybody else. Yeah. I mean, even the 1994 Richard version, Doom is like, I'm going to destroy New York City. We must stop you. That's a plan. Yeah. It's like, he is after you. Go away somewhere and he will follow you there out of a major metropolis and then have the fight. Don't do it in the... There's a a bus there full of people. What are you doing? (laughs) That's my favourite bit. I know he's sleeping there, but he's like, I'm Doom and I've got a flappy cold thing and I'm really monstrous. I've just been in a bin lorry and now I'm on a bus. (laughs) I think it is meant to make you laugh, though, because it's like, these are not great locations for a big baddie. 
Yeah. Um, so a lot of my notes at this point are boring, boring, boring. <laughs> there are some good moments. Uh, they belong, like I said, to two characters, Ben and Victor. Uh, Victor killing the doctor who uh, threatens to report his condition to the CDC. Yeah, that's good. I like that. And uh, He's a bad doctor, though, isn't he? What can you do for me? Nothing. What is this? <laughs> Don't know. Yeah. What? How soon will it progress? I honestly can't tell you. Bedside manner? <laughs> Well, he gets punished. He gets punished for his lack of bedside manner. Yeah, he's dead. And so, and another good bit feels like it's from a different movie though. The hole through the man. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. It's a shame. It's like you shareholder or whoever he is, investor. You, yeah, you in in entrepreneur. You backed out of an investment deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking hole in his chest, man. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, it's a shame. I mean, it's hard. Your position in your baddie is more of a main character because you're giving him a phone. You, all you really want to do is see him, you know, test his powers. It's just always a shame when it's a, you know, quite much a stiff in a suit. You just mm. don't, you don't give a shit what happens to them anyway. No. So, no, the he, doctor was better. You probably I, could have left it at that. Put a hole through the doctor. Done. Yeah, because the investor is, has been an arsehole already. But they always are. That's yeah. that's the movie trope, isn't yeah. it? Um. So, Johnny. Uh, <sighs> He goes to the X Games. I'm so confused by what Johnny actually does. So he's he was a pilot for NASA, but he got kicked out. Mm. And Ben used to be his commanding officer. But yes. then he he was already working for Victor as a shuttle pilot, or he was brought in under those circumstances. I, I, I don't know. But I he's know. also a motorbike stuntman. Who, and a very good one. He's regularly at the X Games because they know who he is when he turns up. Or I, I mean, he's made a bit of money because he's got a Porsche now, which has the license plate torched, which means he, he's sort of been out there celebrating his celebrity to a point where... Well, he's, it, he's not been allowed to leave the building right. until he gets in the car with the personalised number plate. Yeah. So he's had time to order <laughs> and fit a personalised number plate, which was confusing. Um, meanwhile, Ben. Oh, poor Ben. Goes for a drink in a bar. People are already laughing at him. And then he sits down on that stool, goes right through it, idiot. Uh, <laughs> but, like, and it's, I'm not going to lie, this, this is the, this is the, oh, you know what an easy audience I am for, like, very, very stock emotional beats. If a film goes, cry here, you, listen to these strings. That's the emotion we want from you. I'll be like, oh my god, it's got me. The only <laughs> one moment in this is, and it's such, it's such a small moment. And like you said earlier, Chickless is really good in this yeah, movie. Like when he goes, that's not funny. Oh, you're like, right. You're right. I was like, oh, that, that's it. That's not even a big clever line. It's just like he's so broken at that point. Yeah, you're right. He doesn't have any anger. He's just like he's all he's lost, and he's like, that's not funny. Which is why I think I, are you you. Empathise with that line because you're like, it's not funny. It's just his appearance. Can everyone just leave him alone? Which is a modern way. When you, it's hard to know, isn't it? When you saw it in 2005, where you're like, ha, idiot, it is funny. Or and now you're a bit more. We're all a bit more attuned yeah. and respectful. Yeah. Also, uh, fucking bold move uh, when Alicia Kerry Washington's character when Alicia he's like, actually, you better make it a double. She goes, hey, make it a triple. I know. If someone does, no one, no one orders a triple. <laughs> no. Those are my notes. No one orders a triple. You've asked. That's a bottle of alcohol, Kerry. It's too much. It's like outside your student union. Wait, like when you like maybe if you go to university, that's the last. I think I've ordered a triple vodka Red Bull. Like I don't think you're allowed it. I think they. I when I well, you've worked in a pub, I think you had to put it in two separate glasses because it's too much ABV yeah. in the glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that not true? Maybe. I'm sure. Well, I mean. I'm sure I've ordered a triple, but you learn very quickly that, like, although it sounds kind of cool, like, well, what's, horrible. what's bigger than the bubble? A triple? <laughs> Give me that. You're like, but this, I, it's not drinkable, though. <laughs> it's like, I've ruined the drink. That said, though, I, I'd probably go home with that girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd I mean... go home with Kerry Washington. Yeah, the minute she goes, make it a triple, I'd be like, hello, Hiya. how are you? <laughs> I'm made of rock. Problem? No? Great. Let's go. This is the thing. It's... His reward. So the the girl that he's going to end up with, she is hot and she's and she's very good and she's fun and she's blind. And so I think in two thousand and five, you're like, oh, that's sweet. The disgusting man has met someone who's where it's not an issue. Whereas the smart thing to do would be to make her not blind. A hundred percent. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because she it's like she sees him and she doesn't care. She sees me, she doesn't care. That's a much better. <laughs> it's such a weird thing because it's like, okay, so what are we saying here? Yeah, exactly. So she's she's blind and like she feels him. 
and she doesn't care, but but also, well, surely it would be better if she sees him and falls in love with him yeah. because she sees the person underneath. Yeah. It's very strange, but I, it is very 2000, mid noughties movie making, especially yeah. in a superhero movie, broad strokes. Yes, who could he get? A blind girl. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so we finally get to see... A bit of action now. Where did we get to? Yeah, Ben got his triple. He delicious triple. <laughs> and then Ben gets angry with Reed. That's what happens because Victor puts his dastardly plan to stop Crackers. and destroy the Fantastic Four into action by taking... Well, Ben's... Granted, Ben is already in the diner, so Victor doesn't take him to a diner, but he just goes, let me buy you some pancakes. Mm-hmm. That Reed, he's not very nice to you. <laughs> when you think about it, think actually. About it. Where is he now? Probably off with Sue yeah, somewhere. Yeah, I think full credit to Michael Chickles. When I was watching the scene unfold, I was like, you're kidding me. <laughs> this is our bridge to act three. So I'm going, he's not actually been that sweet about it, if you think about it. But when he walks in and he's like, how dare you? Where, what are you doing? I was like, oh, do you know what? It, it just buttoned it enough. Like, he sold it for me. Yeah. Just about. Yeah, Um I actually got confused in my own notes here because I think the movie is very confused here. When I was writing them up, I was like, sorry, so Reed goes, oh, I better help you out. And so he tests, he goes Jeff Goldblum in the fly and tests yeah. his transporter machine, not a transporter, his cosmic machine on himself. <laughs> then it doesn't work. He comes out, he melts in Sue's arms and then Sue goes... We need to get you to a doctor. I'm like, I think we might be beyond earthbound medical science now. He's just been firing cosmic rays at himself to try and cure himself. What is someone going to do? Oh, here's some penicillin. Well, you say that, but there's a monster, well, not a monster, a few quick cuts in a minute. She's looking through a first aid cabinet. She obviously <laughs> thinks, she's like, plasters, 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 great. Let's go. So then... Doom turns up and, again, unclear what Doom's powers are, but he puts his fists in the machine while Ben's in it and that cures Ben. Yeah. And then he beats up Ben and so that's bad. Uh, And then Reed turns up and gets thrown out of a window, which (sighs) I don't really know what Victor's plan is here. Is it to kill Reed Or is it to take Reed back, which he does, and torture him for some reason? Is he luring Sue there? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Okay. I was clear that he wanted them all to die because of the music. Yeah. But I didn't... I couldn't fully comprehend why he wanted them all to die, including his ex. That was the bit that confused me. Yeah. So he takes Reed and then cools him massively. Um, He calls Rubber massively because I think Rubber snaps. Yes. Okay, fine, but we're about to do what happens when metal gets cooled oh, really fast in the next scene. It's like, you've just done this with a yeah. different material. <laughs> yeah. You can't do it twice. You ruined your own ending. It's so stupid. Anyway, there is a good moment here. It's like maybe Sue's only good moment, which is where Victor is being all like, come on, Sue. Let's not fight. And she goes, no, let's. I'm like, nice. That's good. She's like, actually, I'm going to fight you. Yeah. You massive dick. <laughs> I like that. Sure. Um, And then they have this very, very underwhelming fight where, like you said, Victor just wants to kill them and they decide to have the fight at an intersection in a vastly populated downtown shopping district. Yeah, putting millions of lives at risk. Yeah. There's another Ghostbusters moment I've just realised. When they beat him, so they say, oh, well, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And so it's the aftermath of the victory. Mm. Chris Evans says, man, I love this job while everyone cheers. And it's the equivalent of man, I love this town. It's the exact same beat from the end of Ghostbusters. It's so weird because I was like, oh, I love that film. Do you want to know? We'll do it now. I was going to save it for Thursday, but there's a crazy Ghostbusters moment, like ad verbatim. Like, I think if you spot them, then you cannot be the only person to spot them. There's a bit where Doom in that... In 2015? In 2015's version, where it's at the end of the big CGI climax, where uh, Toby Kebbell goes, there is no Victor. Yes! Only Doom. I couldn't believe it! You're like, have you just gone, there is no Dana, only Zool, but changed two fucking names? Couldn't believe it. It's all, I mean, a lot of the, well, well, I'll do it on those, but like a lot of the stuff in the garage as well, really like Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they didn't know that because they didn't first, but Mm. I don't know, all very familiar. There is no Victor, only Doom. Maybe it was on purpose though, I don't... 
Who knows? I've done a lot of research and I couldn't tell you if that's true. I think by that point they were like, Simon Kimber, what have you got? Just yeah. anything will do. He's like, I'm just watching Ghostbusters <laughs> right now. All right. No, 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 it's no problem. It's that bit where they go, there is no Dana, only Zool. <laughs> Brilliant. I think we heard you. There is no Victor, only Doom, did you say? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so they... they also, they 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 they, they defeat uh, Doom by going. What happens when you rapidly cool Hotmail? I actually don't know how to look it up. I don't think it's that commonly known. I mean, no one bothers to answer it. It's like I, I thought it was going to shatter. I thought it was going to shatter as well, but yeah. it just goes hard. It just stops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just turns you into a statue. Any metal. But then it's fine because they foreshadow that right at the beginning With where he's the got big a big statue. statue. Yeah. So that's okay. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's fine. And then they uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. They do. The end yeah. where he's in an anonymous container heading back to uh, Latveria. Why have the, again, forgive my ignorance, mm. When he opens the glass case, when Doom opens, he's got a glass case with a big mask that says, from the Latverians. Okay. Why have they made him a big, scary Hannibal Lecter mask? Uh, uh, short answer, I don't know. Okay, cool. I read a lot about the history of the actual comic book character, Doom, uh, which sounds very different to what we get here. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I was like... It doesn't matter. I, I, there's a certain amount of research I'll do, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm done with this freaking movie because... What is the one thing? I don't think we've ever done an episode where I can quite happily say that um, this is the first time I've seen a movie party and not wanted to be at it. <laughs> you know I love a movie party. It's like booze is flowing, people are having a good time. I always want to be at them. This is the... It just looks so cheap. The lighting's awful. The lighting's terrible, yeah. Uh, it's like not Crowd enough, is not great. Not enough people are there and it's sort of like no one really <laughs> looks like they're having a good time. No. Ben smashes a glass. It's just... Uh, <laughs> it's like, do you know what it made me think of? Because I was, I agree with you. Every time you see a party, you're like, oh, I love a party. Mm. So I was reading in my head to be like what would make this better and all it put me in mind it looked like the Tattershaw Castle on the Thames because that's really brightly lit but is always the most amount of fun you've ever had so then I thought that imbued it with a sense of I wish I was on the Tattershaw Castle yeah this isn't that no it's not I like the Tattershaw Castle as well but this isn't that it's just like Johnny can't wait to get away I put a four in the sky everyone will love that and they'll just fly off (laughs) (laughs) he cannot wait to leave people won't care if I put a four in the sky and uh, that is the end of 2005's Fantastic Four. Thanks. No worries. Shall we do the bits? Yeah. Great. What was your best scene? Right. So uh, I really like it when... Oh, no, the problem is I can't remember who's fighting who. Two people are fighting, right? Mm. God knows. It must be the thing and someone else. And they go into a swimming pool and you never see that. Mm. And I like it. And I was like, that's fun. Oh, tell a lie. I was really anti that big fight at the end. But yeah, it's... Is it... It's Ben and Doom, isn't it? Yeah, because they both they're both very, they're both heavy, very heavy and they crack. They that. But it's, that's not really my favourite thing. So that's just uh, that's a mere moment. Um, I do quite like for the effects of because you know it's of its time when the storm goes through the space station or whatever, and it's like they're all going to get vaporised and then they don't. I thought that was good. There's actually um, a deleted scene. Um, I think there's about 20 minutes of um, deleted scenes from this movie, but there's a deleted scene on YouTube where you see the aftermath of them. You see them waking up on the space station. And mm. it's just, it's just, because it, as I said, as we were going through it, I think it's quite a big moment where the storm hits and then bang, they're in quarantine. Mm-hmm. And this just sort of, it's all about the pacing of a movie. And this little scene where you just see them sort of struggling to their feet and like getting each other in going over and seeing Ben um, who's injured uh, in this space suit it just it paces it a lot better it's a nice moment uh, mine is I did it already because I couldn't so little else to talk about with this movie the party uh, the part, I love that party <laughs> um, that's the kind of party where you go give me a triple actually how much are you legally allowed to serve me because I'm going to have to get this I'm drunk I don't care how many glasses you put it in <laughs> enjoy this party uh, it's uh, it's Ben Grimm falling through the stool and then like everyone laughing at me going that's not funny okay that's a good moment got me got me I actually felt emotion which I didn't for the rest of this movie yeah uh, most valuable whatever I'll start Michael Chiklis who I think does amazing work buried under all those prosthetics uh, mine is exactly the same for the same reason. Although I do love Hamish Linklater, um, who is Doom's assistant person. Um, but that's... Oh, my God! Was it not bugging you? 
It was, yeah. and I didn't, I didn't even work it out. It's Midnight yeah. Mask. Mm-hmm. Oh but that's the God. only reason. He's, he's very good in this because he's good in everything and because he's got that voice. But I was like, oh, yeah, he was brilliant in Midnight Mask, so nearly him, but yes. not really. Shit, thank you. I totally, I've kept meaning to look it up. Good. Good, good, good. And finally, what would you change about this movie? Uh, I'd like more motocross stunts because they were, they were really awesome. Are you kidding? No, the I egg, really enjoyed it. The X Games thing, like if I guess in a different way, but not a really different way, is we've got a teenage boy audience who are going to go see this movie. Jessica Alba in her underwear is one tick box for that audience. Uh, yeah. Wrongly or rightly, that is why that is in the movie. The other one is putting the fucking X Games in because they love motorbikes doing stunts. It's like, it's just so like, there's no need for it to be no, there. No, I know. There's no point in it being there. But it does And they have though. cameos from actual X Games athletes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you're coming for them now? No, no, I'm not. I, I just, just thought they were good. Anyway, I've got a few more. Uh, give Jessica Alba a top that covers her chest at any point because she's a scientist. She's a practical person. I can't believe that the things with the blind girl, there's something off. That I'm not into that. Recast Reed, 100%, sorry. Make Deb the less, the most awful woman in the world. The real one is, we've said it Do you before. really not think uh, Ewan Griffith is good? I just, Reed? I don't know if it's because of Hornblower, but I just can't. I, no, I'm sorry. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I want to. I want to. I want to support our exports, but um, <laughs> it doesn't work at all. No, I agree. And the other real one is they have to have an enemy that's trying to harm humanity rather than just them because it's all their fault. Yeah, well, that leads nicely onto mine because that's uh, that's my big one. Uh, give them a villain who turns up earlier and has a plan that threatens the city or even the planet. That would be even better that they have to defeat, defeat as opposed to spending the movie solving situations either only caused by themselves or spending hours trying to cure themselves, which is just a waste of time. And I also think another interesting idea, because they are celebrities, and this this notion of superheroes who are immediately celebrities and dealing with that while trying to save the planet and the burdens of celebrity mm. on these people, that's a really unexplored thing at this point in, yes, in superhero cinema. Thing. Yeah. So that would have been quite interesting to do in a kind of PG way, but, but no, they didn't do that. No. All right, we're done. Cool. <sighs> well done. Thanks. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Did you enjoy the journey? Uh, yes. It was all right. It was okay. Can I say that? I'll say that honestly. It was okay. It was all right. Yeah. I uh, hope people listen to it. Uh, we're not doing a quiz this week. No. How, how, happy, <laughs> how happy are you about that? Well, it's not happiness, is it? Because the trouble is, every single week, I think I'm going to win. I do think that every single really? week. 100%. Yeah, that's why I take Isn't it. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> that's what I mean. That's why I take it so badly. I never come into it and I never, ever will thinking that I'm on the back foot. Never. Okay. Until the day we die, no. So that's why it's really crushing when I lose. Statistically, all the... <laughs> that's well, like sort of over time as well. But, yeah. No, that's the thing. I refuse to see the patterns, Kate Mara, as Invisible Woman, um, whatever job that is. Because that's why I listen to Porter's Head. Because yeah. I see patterns. This I is do like... stuff that an algorithm can't do. This so. is like a conversation Chris would have about the Smiths. That's... <laughs> I listen to Porter's Head because I like the patterns in the music, the beats. They're like patterns, man. Yeah, so like, I feel feeling suffocated. off. So, who invited her to this party? <laughs> this isn't my house and I did not invite somebody who goes, I listen to Porter's Head because the patterns so <laughs> fuck off, yeah. But just leave the music on. Yeah, so there we are. Uh, I'm happy we're not, I'm, I'm happy and sad because every time I think it's a chance for me to just claw my way back. We'll do a test as to whether Chris is listening to this episode. Um, I'll tell you quite honestly. So the trophy... Uh, yeah. The Clash Pod quiz trophy that yeah. resides in my house yeah. on my fireplace made a recent exit from the fireplace at speed and now may be <laughs> missing its head. So, what happened? It fell off the fireplace and Did the it? head snapped off. You've got subsidence in your house. No, no, I was moving some scented candles. You were moving some... This is too much of a window into my life. (laughs) Scented candles and trophies that you win on a podcast. That's my fireplace. (laughs) You've got more than one scented candle, you posho. What do you like? Because are they not a default gift? Like when people go, oh, I don't know what to get you. Oh, you don't know what to get someone. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I do that to myself. I never know what to get myself. So I'm like, oh, I'll just get myself a scented <laughs> candle. Bit of self-care. Get myself a scented candle. Yeah, and also I like exploring the range. It's such a big range. And some of them are awful. Like they're overpowering. And yet some of them smell like you're sort of walking through a forest at dawn. They do. <laughs> I love those ones. 
<laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, so the trophy's broken. So cool. I don't know whether to buy a new trophy or it to be sort of a testament to the journey the trophy's been on, having never changed hands. <laughs> <laughs> All right, your clue from Chris uh, for next week's pairing um, is a boy's best friend. A is. boy's <laughs> best friend is... is <laughs> so a boy's best friend is your clue for next week we will be back in the meantime on Thursday talking through yeah 2015's Fantastic Four in the meantime please subscribe to us on Apple Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts if you enjoy the pod and also uh, you can check in with us on Twitter and Instagram where we are at Clash Pod speak to you on Thursday bye bye this was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.